Hello, adventurers, and welcome back to Behind the Roll, episode three. That is Trois, if you speak French. My name is Keegan, one half of two gamers, and hanging out with me today is our lovely DM, David. How you doing, David? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little tired. Just got back from Indie Popcorn literally today. Uh, had a few drinks over the weekend, as you know. You've seen the pictures. Uh, we also have the lovely Latrine, or Latrine, if you're Bertrand, how he says it. Uh, Nate, how you doing? <laughs> hey, how's it going? Sorry it's... I missed uh, last week, oh, or the last well, session. We saw you for the first time, though. It's magic. It was... <laughs> That's either good or bad. Though. <laughs> uh, thirdly, we've got the lovely Tim. I called you lovely again. He told me not to do that. I'm sorry. We have the handsome, yeah. wonderful Tim. <laughs> it's called everybody lovely. Yeah, no, it just happens. It's a habit. Which I think makes the feedback valid. But the hey, adjectives are hard. Yeah, I can't <laughs> adjective. Otherwise, it's close of the penitent, the strong, I... spiritual man that he is. Have you seen my my beach ball? It's like this big. <laughs> <laughs> It, wait, wait it, oh. it's over there. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know which camera I'm on. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, Tim was pointing to the last person we had there. Well, depending on how this goes in post. Last but not least, we've got Kaim, a.k.a. Bertrand. How you doing, Bertrand? Good evening. Good evening. So, if you guys have not watched the episode yet, I recommend you go check that out. Uh, everything is up on YouTube.com slash Level2Gaming. That's L-E-V-E-L-T-W-O-G-A-M-I-N-G. Or you go to SaveByTheRoll.com. Everything is going to be up there. All archives for everything as well as some merch. But without further ado, let's jump in. And Behind the Roll is where we literally go behind the scenes of the campaign. And we talk about the last session we had. So last session, uh, we made our way into the village, right? It's not quite a city. It's a village of Barovia. It's a village. It's a village of Barovia. Yep. So we started right outside Barovia, and we ended off with uh, Bertrand on a cliffhanger. So, uh, Bertrand, if you want to, if you want to talk about how we kind of started the episode, because you uh, you had a you had a moment at the very end of the last episode before this. Yeah, I, uh, I failed a roll. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement. Uh, mo- most epically, and yes. an, an event had uh, transpired. And I had some dreams. Mm-hmm. Some things happened in mm-hmm. said dreams that were slowly revealed across the last episode. Mm-hmm. So we started outside Barovia. We worked our way into town uh, relatively quickly. We were kind of stealthy with it. Um, my f- like my first like favorite moment of the campaign was when we were all standing at the front of the village discussing how we should have, you know, go into the village. David's just like, yeah, you guys are standing out in the open <laughs> discussing yeah. this. Just look like a bunch of dipshits. Yeah, <laughs> just trying to figure out what's going on here. Uh, so that was, that was moment number one where I was just like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Because we are trying to be as, at least my, in my mindset, we are trying to be as stealthy going in because we don't know what's in this village. Um, and I think for a lot of us, it was kind of cool to finally get into Barovia to understand what we were getting into. Um, and the first person we met in the in the village of Barovia, period, did not like us. Uh, it was the it was a merchant that uh, told us. I think what I think he told us to fuck off, if I remember correctly. I think that's what he I, said. I yep. think those were the exact words he used. Um, yeah. 
I think but, that was the majority of the words he used. Yeah. <laughs> he had a son at some point come out, and he's like, I'm sorry, but the guy was like, fuck off. So, but, so I have a question for, for the players here. What did you guys think in that moment of, like, because that's the, literally the first person we meet in this town, wants nothing to do with us. Because I know in my head, I was like, uh-oh, we're definitely not going to be welcome here. Um, I'll throw it to whoever wants to take that one. But what was your thoughts when we first met that merchant and he didn't want to deal with us? I think that at every stop so far along this game's beginnings has been a, a very big reality check for us as players um, to see that this is not a typical campaign for D&D, that this is, you know, when we first came in and, you know, DM was describing the lack of colors and the lack of, like, typical ambient noise. And I was like, okay, we're in for something a little bit darker, we're a little something darker. And then we get into this town, and, I mean, I think every D&D player who plays a campaign is excited for their first time to go shopping to get mm-hmm. their, their sundries and their spell stuff and look for the things that they might need or, oh, let's see what the guy in town and see if there's a new cloak or something. And to walk in and just have the guy just be like... <laughs> <laughs> go away. like, okay, this is, this is not going to be our, our typical campaign at all, like from, from beginning to end. Yeah, it definitely set a tone right there at the beginning. And I think I wasn't sure how to how to go about it, and it's like maybe we could push our luck and really get him to sell us something. But uh, it didn't sound like his wares were going to be cheap, and we didn't really have it. I mean, we've got a decent amount of gold, but we didn't really have a ton of stuff yet. So yeah. uh, a ton of money yet. So thought eh, I don't know if I want to push my luck and try to buy something here. And who knows? Maybe we missed out on a cool item because of that. But, uh, I really felt like it was just setting the tone. I think as a player, I was like, I don't think David wanted us to go here, but I, but you know, on, <laughs> on, on retrospect, I was like, no, I think this, these characters were real, and this is just how he was going to behave, and we had to figure out how to interact with them. So. Tim, your audio keeps cutting out, by the way. Oh, I, I am sorry. It sounds like you're knocking out a door every time you lean back. I'll try to stay close. <laughs> cool. Um, Nate, do you have any do you have any first impressions on it? And it was it was kind of I guess a mixture. Like I thought that either they would be like wanting us to you know like that shop holder would want us to help big time you know because mm-hmm. it was you know not necessarily the most uh, appealing town I guess yeah. you know like times that have been rough that kind of thing um, or kind of what it ended up being uh, granted uh, without uh, all the uh, Norman Frank uh, language there to it rather than the you know yeah so it's not friend you know it's yeah anyhow um, <laughs> it's actually Anglo-Saxon but anyhow um, <laughs> uh, basically you know just that kind of that feel to it and uh, yeah well we got out of there quick yeah. Um other, other than Torbjorn trying to buy something, well, if it, I remember correctly. It was a merchant, because the dude said at one point, so again, my thought was, he's like, fuck off. Because we went in initially going for information, trying to figure out about the town, because that was the first person we met. Yeah. My, uh, That's where you went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> then he my... just slapped some shit on the desk and yeah. said, you know, I'll take it. He would have sold you stuff. But then you guys started pushing it, and yeah. that's when he was like, oh, nope. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, because at that point, I was like, oh, shit, I actually might want to buy something. And if, don't get me, or, or 
correct me if I'm wrong, David, but I believe you, you said during it that the prices were way higher than like normal prices would have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the is module that, is that a that's module a, actually just says like ten times what the player's handbook. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so we wouldn't have yeah. bought anything. <laughs> well, and it didn't sound like it was really anything fancy either. No, but you know, we, like it was just common. But we Stop. don't have anything really outside of like we had the potions that I that yeah. we got out of the bag of holding at the at the beginning. But outside of that, we really don't have much yeah. in the way of adventuring gear. I don't think he had anything you guys didn't already start with. Okay, like if you had an adventuring I... gear pack or you know that kind of stuff, you had the stuff he was selling. So. Yeah, because that's why I gave him the two gold of like maybe if I bribe him, which is you know, folks, learn from. Nope, I learn you just from lost my... two gold. I learned from my dad that you you, you you can slip a 20 sometimes and maybe get seated just a little sooner. <laughs> Don't do that. Bribery is bad. But that was my thought process there. It was like, maybe if I give him money, just like, hey, I'm sorry, he would come back to us. But he clearly was just like, nope, get out. And then I asked you off stream afterwards, David, but his son came out. Was there any way of us convincing his son nephew. to or nephew, sorry, to convince his nephew to convince uncle that, to buy stuff? Or was at that point we were, we were done? So it wasn't so much. Yeah, at that point you were done. Okay. If he's calling, if he calls for his nephew, uh, he's calling his nephew to get him get people out or to intimidate them to get them out. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, it was it was just a matter of pushing your luck and then you and then failed miserably with. Yeah. Yeah, with the role, so he yeah. didn't like that. He was just like, oh, they're. They're not. They're gonna argue and not buy, and I don't want to deal with that. So yeah. get out. <laughs> so after we left, then the merchant, uh, as we were figuring out where to go, we heard a shriek slash scream going on that none of us cared about because <laughs> there's because there's a tavern on the other side of the street that we went to. Um, is that something you can share information on, David? Is that something that potentially will come back later on, or what would happen if we'd gone to visit that? Well, we did figure out her name. You won't know. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's uh, nothing, nothing we can share. I've got her name written down somewhere here in my notebook. Because it's not like she went away. You can yeah. always yeah. just go back. Always and go back and see her. So. Mad, Mad Mary. And I'd say, I think I wrote that down. We learned that she lost her child. Yes. And as much as we know. The good the, the good shop was called Bildrath's Mercantile, so I don't think Bildrath likes us. He's, uh, he's now an enemy. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he likes anybody. But yeah, we we avoided uh, Mad Mary and decided to go straight to the tavern. And the tavern was called the Blood on the Vine, but apparently yep. it looks the Blood of Blood the Vine the... with the yeah. with the sign. I did write that down in my notes. I was like, I remember that. And when we walked in, we ran into a couple people. We ran into the. I went immediately to the Vistanti who were drinking, so I went over as Torbjorn with them. Uh, you guys ran into Ismark was in there, I believe, is where who you guys talked to. Ismark, um, yeah. And he was the he's Colin's Colin's son, Colin's son. Uh, is Ismark the Lesser? Yes, Bismar- Ismark the Lesser. Ismark Kulovic. Uh, I wrote that one down, and he told us he knows a little bit, I think, about that. Uh, just giving us a hey, we shouldn't talk here, which was kind of cool. I mean, I was over in the corner doing my own thing at the time. So, what did you guys think of, of, again, first impressions of the town? We had just we had just walked in. Normally, as Bertrand says, going to town is a, is a happy time. I feel like this was the complete opposite. 
uh, it was holy shit, everything's empty. Uh, what was your guys' impression when you when you made it to the bar and just or the tavern and was like, this? Bertrand tried to play music, I believe, when you first walked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As as a bard would. Yeah. And realized another moment of the game where it's like, no, this is not your normal game. Mm-hmm. This is not your normal city. This is not your normal people. This is not normal jack crap anywhere. So. Yeah. Like that was another we, thing for me that was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. All we right. didn't really get into it so much, but I mean, really, it was that it's the idea of uh, don't don't sound jovial. You're going to bring unwanted attention. If you sound like you're having a good time, someone will sure come by to end that real quick. Kind of thing. So then that leads to question to me, because the Vistanti were having a good old time. Do they... Would, That's right. Do they bring <laughs> attention? I guess we'll find that out. That's something we'll figure out as we go through the campaign. Who the knows? Vistanti sure seem to bring attention to themselves in a fun way, yes. which is why we were attracted to them. I mean, the end, the very last thing I did before we ended the campaign is I rode around on a horse. <laughs> with the, that is, with that the Vistani. Yeah, just going around the camp. So, um, And then from there, we, we followed Ismark to... It was his house, correct? His manor? Yeah, well, Again, yeah. I've, it's it was his yeah, father's yeah. mansion, but yeah, yeah. Now his. So... You guys got to bear with me. It's been about a week, and I've had a convention between here and there, so some of the stuff is kind of fuzzy. Uh, so we got there, um, and this is kind of where the I think everything started picking up during the campaign when it came to just, like, understanding what we were getting into. Because I think that's... I can't remember if it was at the tavern or the mansion where we first learned about Strahd and kind of what his... his, his... It was kind of on the way. I think Tim was, was yeah. the one that said, you guys, mm-hmm. you keep saying Strahd. Who is this Strahd? Yeah. yeah, they brought it up in the tavern, um, which was where I started noticing with the, the good and evil that these people were missing their souls. Certain people didn't have souls, but some people did, um, which gave kind of an interesting insight on what the soulless people were doing. Um, yeah, I, I found that part really intriguing. But yeah, we asked about Strahd on the way and, uh, and learned about him uh, when we got back to the manor. Because his, the description I have based on what David said to us is, Strahd van Zarvik is a vampire in Castle Ravenloft. No one is allowed to leave the land because of sin. Can be a bat, a wolf, or a cloud of mist. Has the ability to charm you with a book, or with a look. Not a book, a look. And that's the with, with a book. With a yeah. book. Here, here's a book. Here's <laughs> this amazing poet. Yeah, he's like, hey... <laughs> Just read this. Your yes. <laughs> so, and it, and it sounds. I mean, this campaign's obviously called the Curse of Strahd, so it sounds like he's the the puppet master and all of this and what's going to go down. And what really concerned me when you said that as a as a player was when you said the cloud of mist. Well, how did we get to Strahd? Right through a cloud of mist. So it's like he clearly knows we're here, and he clearly is potentially keeping an eye on us and seeing what's happening. So oh, if my dream wasn't any indication that yeah. he knows we're here. Oh, he, yeah. he, knows he knows we're here. We are here. So, so once inside the manor, or the, the mansion, we, we we talked a little bit about kind of, because Ismark wanted us to uh, help him out with some stuff. Uh, we met Irina, who is Colleen's, or Col, is it Colleen? Colian. Colian. I was like, I have it spelled K O L E O N, and I'm sure that's not how you spell it, but that's how I have it phonetically. 
Colian's Col- daughter. Yeah, Colian's daughter. Uh, Irina. Irina. Who uh, turned out to be kind of important to a lot of things that were happening in this. Uh, I can't remember the exact sequence of events because you guys were doing most of the talking. I was, at this point, I was just kind of sitting there doing my own thing. Um, but do you guys want to talk a little bit about the conversation you had with, inside the manor? And just uh, uh, Go ahead. <laughs> You're going to have to refresh my memory at this point, That's honestly. Well, yeah. basically, she's been visited twice by mm-hmm. Strahd, and oh, she does yeah. have a bandage on, is it the... Is it the right or the left side? I forgot. Uh, on her neck. So, yeah. And three times the charm with that one. Uh, or in French, what is, what is that, Keegan? Trois. <laughs> in Spanish, it's yeah. twice. And I think... <laughs> Japanese, it's she. If I remember correctly, at that point, no, um, Ismark had basically just requested us to... Make yeah. sure that she was safe somewhere, and he gave us the option of the Abbey of Saint Markovia and the town of Valaki. Valaki, yeah, but mm-hmm. that that wasn't that was the priest. They, yeah, that they was did... later on. Oh, okay. That was later yeah, on. sorry, I'm just. We had because we I went know. there. We had the we had we had Colian's body on the floor in the coffin. Yeah, so right. she just she was had, dead. Yeah, yeah. She, Irene wouldn't leave without uh, yeah. a proper burial for Colian. So you yeah. guys went to. Uh, Went to go cause a proper burial or do, do perform a proper burial, uh, and that's when the first kind of twist happened because uh, I stayed behind and I was—I'm not gonna lie—as a player, when I stayed behind and uh, Welly came back and get to get me, I was like fuck because I forgot who was carrying the casket. So I was playing a little bit drunk, a little bit like you know not paying attention. Torbjorn didn't care; he was scared out of his mind of what was going on, and. I fell asleep there just because, you know, between drinking and just not, just not wanting to do anything, essentially. And you guys had walked off with the casket to take it to the, uh, to take it to the, the church. I've been left behind. Well, he came back and woke me up with a nat 20, uh, with a short sword to the side. Of, I think she ended up hitting my shoulder, uh, and did like something like 26 points of damage or something like 20 something points of damage. And that's when I was like, oh shit. Because I, I asked David this off stream, but we'll talk about it here. Did you think about doing a random encounter when Welly came back to come get me? Because you guys had said as players it's best not to split the party, but I was RPing at that point. of like, hey, I'm already asleep. I didn't, I never got woken back up. So were you, how close were you to random encountering David? He's muted. Hold He's on. Muted. Uh, so yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> there was definitely a, uh, a moment where I was like, "Hmm, maybe I should," but yeah. uh, I wanted to get things moving too. And, so, and, and also to be fair, hindsight—that was also a Keegan learning moment. Uh, I've talked to Tim and I talked to you both separately about this situation outside. Uh, we had a very lengthy discussion of the night when I was intoxicated, <laughs> which was fun. Uh, but we talked about kind of like the the being drunk and kind of making sure you don't slow the party down with the, the stuff going on, uh, making sure you make your yourself clear with why you're doing what you're doing type thing. And it was really cool for me, like having that perspective, like me and Tim had a good conversation, I think the next day about it. And just like I asked for some feedback from my player perspective and 
he gave me a nice, nice summation of kind of his thoughts on it, which was really cool. And I and I appreciate doing that because again, this is my first campaign ever uh, doing D and D, so I don't know kind of where the lines are, where the rules are, and which is good and bad at the same time. It's good because you can do some crazy shit, but it's bad because you do some crazy shit that may not jive with everybody. Um, but I do think that made for a fun moment with the, the fact that Welly woke me up with her sword and cracked me in the shoulder and made me realize how uh, how I was about to potentially go into something I didn't know about with half my HP. Yeah, so. she took down, you were like, you had like 20 points yep. of damage left. Yep. That's it. It was. It was. It yeah, was you were. Good. You were. In, yeah. Yeah. What you? What was your guys' thoughts on that moment from both a player perspective and from a RP perspective? Do you guys have any feelings? You can yell at me if you like to. Now's your time. Because <laughs> you immediately, you, everybody said, you, "Well, you all, you all said, let's not split the party." That was the, one of the first things you guys said. It's best not split the party. But in my head, I was like, "Hey, I'm already asleep. I've already made this decision." So, like, according to what would have happened is I would still would have been there. Nobody woke me up. So. But see, in my mind, I had heard Cody say she woke you up. Like, that she shook your shoulder and woke you up. And and, then, and it's one of those moments that I think in a and d campaign that it, if something's unclear and one person hasn't heard it, I think it's important that we make sure that whether whether that was Cody or whether that was... Uh, if DM didn't catch it, Cody need, would need to speak up in a moment like that, and I I didn't speak up until it was already role played out all the way there with the coffins, and then she was hit tr- backtracking, and we were talking about it live on the stream. It was a moment I was like, okay, no, Cody did she did say something, but I think it was just glazed over in the chaos of of RP. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Keegan, because I think I remember that moment, but. When Cody said that she shook your shoulder, didn't you say, oh, no, that I don't wake up? Well, at a point like that, too, with something like that, that would be a role yeah. situation. Like, that wouldn't be a, I get to decide. I, I was going to say, I'm pre- I think I asked, do did I wake up? Not necessarily, I don't wake up, because I don't know if I woke up, because I don't know how violent she, like, if she's, like, if it's a tap on the shoulder, I'm not going to get up, but if it's, like, a shake to, like, hey, get up. I think that's where we draw the fine line between how do we RP, how do we play the game, you know? Do we need to roll a constitution or a strength check to see if the dwarf who's been drinking for two hours is woken up from his passed out stupor, you know? Because um, there's a lot of questions in that. Why Why are you passed out to begin with? Um, dwarfs have high constitution. That's not... Yeah, which is not just something... Which yeah. is something I... Much. Which is something I'll admit as a player, and I admitted this to David, I did not realize that because it's just lack of knowledge. Something I should have known, but I didn't realize that that affected that. So that was me just thinking, oh, I've had this many. Because like I said, I tallied how many drinks I'd had, how many shots I'd had throughout that campaign up to that point. Like I had a tally marker going on. By that point, I think I had seven or eight. So in my head, I was like, oh, I've had quite a few. I I think it's one of those points for every group that's playing to – you know, where do you draw that line of taking the RP moment and making that a priority over progressing the story? And uh, is there an opportunity to instead RP the story instead of uh, focusing on the character and, and what they're doing that's kind of out of the scope of what's happening, right? So yeah. I think that's one of those moments where we um, we kind of have to learn and, and 
um, figure that out as we go forward. Um, you know, I think in that moment, I was a, I don't know if I just didn't take it seriously. I was just kind of like, there's no way he's going to stay behind. We're moving forward, you know. Right. Um, by the time, like, it was definitive to declared no no i'm still at the mansion mm -hmm. we've already moved all of our tokens over to the <laughs> uh to the church so the question is like okay do we uh, i don't want to ask david to retcon this and move us back but i don't feel like i would have left you there i don't feel like kime would have left you there i don't feel like anybody really would have left you there so yeah that's um, and the owners of the house wouldn't have let you just sit in their house yeah, drunk yeah. and just left while yeah. they carried their dead father to the and cemetery. That's it's, it's a learning experience yeah. for all of us to be yeah. like, okay, no, like we we pushed too fast, too far, too much forward past an event that needed to make sure that we clarified. And I and I think that's it comes down to and this part basically the conversation me and Tim had comes down to communication, making sure like if DM says no, you're away, can we go? Fine, we go. Like I'm going on with it. But if it if in that moment, like and I and I think it's just me taking too much on my shoulder at the time of like I kind of want to I kind of wanted to have an RP moment in that in that moment because it was the first time we actually had a conversation with somebody in town. I feel like the sense like we I I like I'm a huge fan of role playing. I'm not necessarily a huge fan like combat's fun, but the RP aspect is what's got me excited about D and D more than anything else. And I think I need to find that balance again, and it's learning as time goes on of. Where do I role play? When do I role play? And again, me and David have had a conversation outside of the game of like, hey, future reference, this is this is kind of what needs to happen. And it was a good conversation to have. I mean, we disagreed, I think, at the beginning quite a bit. But by the end of it, I think we both came to consensus like, okay, now I get it. And a lot of it, again, and I'm going to say it for like the third or fourth time, is just my lack of knowledge. And I want to apologize for that because um, I feel like it did cause potentially not a strife but it did cause an issue within the game of like uh like you said your character wouldn't have left me behind but in my yeah, head my character was asleep so i either should have said that sooner of like hey did i like maybe more definitive of like did i wake up because i don't i don't remember cody saying that she could have i i can't again i think i said did i wake up but i don't remember i don't remember if i, mean, I think I, I th that's the thing it's just like we we were in that moment of it was just go go yeah. go go and in and, and I, that was partially even my fault because in my mind when i'm an rping in that situation i'm hearing this okay we have only have so much daylight mm -hmm. we need to get her out of here so i in my brain as a character and as a player i was like we don't have time to to sit and have a conversation with anybody even right now like if if this is going to be a TPK because we sit here and mm -hmm. <laughs> marvel at the grandeur of their, of their mansion that's falling apart. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, I, I think it was a big learning opportunity for me. And I think going forward, I will, I will be hopefully better at it. Um, when it comes to how I, how I convey that stuff and how I can convey the communicate what i want to do because i think that's one of the things overall for me as a player that i've learned in the first three sessions is like making sure we're clear and concise on what i want to do like we talked about last behind the role of when we were sneaking through barovia i meant to be stealthy but you guys all th thought i meant to be on the side of the road and it's like okay i gotta be more clear and concise when it comes to that right. kind of stuff so yeah and, and that's just that's gonna come with time and come with familiarity with each other and i i think every session is getting better and better um as time goes on and it's just going to be a thing where we're all we all learn how each other plays but 
I just want it. I want to get that out there that I feel bad for that moment, but at the same time, I thought it was funny as hell when Cody like woke me up with a short sword. Oh yeah, because everything was fine. Not twenty, like <laughs> yeah, that could have potentially ended really bad. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, it could have been to like even Doru if he had just you know initiative had worked out differently, or Doru understood more about being a vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. You didn't have that many hit points, and no. he can do. They do a lot of vampires do a lot of damage. Yeah. So. so good to so know. Yeah. We had lucky. Yeah. Lucky roll. We'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. So <laughs> we finally make it to the church. Um, we're all together outside the church, and we walk in with the casket. We run into the priest. I've got his name right down here. Uh, Donovich. Donovich. Yeah. So we run into to. Priest Donovich? Is that how it sounds? Uh, father. Father Donovich. Father. Yeah, Donovich. father. <laughs> I didn't go to preschool to be called a priest. Uh, father Donovich. Father Donovich or? Father! <laughs> so, when we walk in there, we have a conversation with him, then all of a sudden, David fucking pulls this out of nowhere and just goes, Father! I'm starving! Oh. And I, lost, I think we all lost our shit, because... What a thing I I, I got told. scared, man. Yeah, I, like, I don't. I, at first, by the third or fourth time, because everybody was laughing, and then uh, that it became. But when it when it set in, you're like, oh, fuck. I was like, what the? yeah. yeah. The, I think the player side of us was like, oh my god, this is hysterical. But the character side of us was like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't say it was hysterical. I think, like, for one, I loved the level of commitment from yes. David on that. That's what I think. It was say. fantastic. So I think it was more of a level of enjoyment of the experience. Yes. But it was it was creepy as hell. Yeah. Like, the idea that this this person is yelling this message from the basement of a church, that was that was fantastic. That was a great moment. Yeah. And it and, and it makes you want to RP more and more when you have shit like that. Like I think it was you, Tim, that we were talk I was talking to and I was like, I love the fact that David put all he could into that and that's one thing you do you do really well and i and i want to compliment you on david is you try to do voices as much as like the rest of us are like like for me it's kind of hard to to do it while i'm trying to figure out what i want to do but the fact that you do them makes me encourage like down the road when i get more comfortable like okay let's do this and it does add a little bit more of buy-in from us because you're talking to different people so i i want to give you props for that because that was that was a, that was not a I guess fun is not the right word but for it was yeah it was it was an enjoyable moment from a player perspective it wasn't from from a, fun from a character perspective. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wouldn't imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> so, so from there we do the I believe we buried uh, we buried the guy Colgan 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 Colgate Colgan and there Colgate Colgate we buried Colgate. <laughs> the father of the toothpaste, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we then went back in to uh, investigate the 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 screaming. We went back in the church and we we asked uh, Donovich a little bit about because we found out we assumed it was his son. We I don't know if we ever actually actually asked him directly or not if it was his son. We just assumed it was his son. At least I did. I don't know if we ever asked him. Well, he he called him father. Think, yeah. But we don't know who, yeah. he, who he was yelling to. And I think Ismark may have said. I was going to say, I can't, yeah, I was gonna say I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. I have it in my notes as father, so there's 
Somebody said something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, father. he could have been well, saying father as in father. Of, yeah. You know, yeah. But, but no, that, it was his actual son. Yeah. So uh, we were debating on what we wanted to do in that instance because he was with us at that point when we started going downstairs. And I think it was uh, Cody, a.k.a. Welly, uh, slept him, which I, in the end was a brilliant move. I think that was yeah. a genius move. That was. Yeah. <clears throat> what would have, what would have happened? Okay, let's let let's t- let's finish what happens downstairs, and we'll ask what would have happened if we did not do that move. So we get downstairs, we finally see uh, Doru, the person yelling at us this whole time. Uh, we we broke the door off to the basement, and we see a our, va- our first vampire uh, that we have seen so far, uh, as far as we know, and he's kind of hysterical. Uh, I believe. Tim was the f- were you the first one to act? I think you were the first one in initiative order uh, for that. What well, was- I was he yeah. wasn't first in initiative, but he was first, first to act to face to face to it with yeah. them. Yeah. What, what was your thought uh, process interact. when you went yeah. down there? Like how you're gonna how how were you gonna interact with him? Yeah, well, um, I, I went down on guard. I believe I, I called out that I pulled out my sword and shield, was ready to go, um, and had that you could see on the map he was in the back corner mm-hmm. so the idea was be between the party and him and then uh hopefully on the initiative you know kind of be keep him cornered and and i was actually thinking about using the spell that nate used later um to cause him to run from fear for me mm-hmm. but when the initiative came down he got to go before me and he, he ran right past me mm-hmm. and i thought man if i cast that now he's gonna run up those stairs and that's not gonna be good so yeah. uh so yeah so i wanted to be ready and then i rolled crap for initiative and i was like well i'm ready but everybody else is gonna go so, yeah. you were so ready you were just focused on like belting down your shield <laughs> I have to say, I think that was one of my favorite moments where it was like, I, I was pretty sure you all were convinced we were going to go fight right away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just runs to the door because he's like, yeah. not, I'm not about fighting six people. I'm starving. I want food. <laughs> I'm going to McDonald's. Because I think, see y'all later. I was going to say, I believe Nate had, had first move, if I remember correctly, because... He ended up blocking, the, was... or pretty close to front, because he ended up blocking the. I remember him yeah, blocking the yeah. door, which I thought yeah, was I smart. Basically, I mean, I was scared, I was... but I was smart. Yeah, I was. I was like, okay, well, I gotta a block, you know, the two civilians essentially mm-hmm. in, in this whole situation, and b, how the heck do I try to contain this? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So that that was kind of my thought whenever I was rolling. Was okay. Well, what do I do? Yeah. You block the one exit that you know of that's in the room, so he can't at least run out. Because I have a feeling yeah. if he run out, ran out, shit would have gone down. Uh, He's starving. Yeah. <laughs> Father! <laughs> I'm hungry. Hey, you gotta do it like this. Um, <laughs> so when we, got to, when we got to me, I ended up, I unsuccessfully the first time tried to buy him. Our next and, boss just jumped three levels because you yeah. guys, you realize that, right? Like, I'm watching the DM right now. I'm like, we're fucked. So, the next, my, because I think I was second in initiative, and my my move was to move towards him and try and contain him by binding him with my rope. And I actually failed the first time, and I used my, one of my uh, class abilities, I think Your it is. superiority dice. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and I did action, action. I did surge. action surge. Action yeah, surge. which I think is a class ability, and was mm -hmm. able to successfully bind him and hold him down. Or I was able to hold him down, and then Bertrand came over to help to tie him up at that point. And at that point, we pretty well had the situation contained. I mean. I was on top. We at that point were. Yeah, we sure did have it contained. <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a nat twenty on that persuasion. I persuaded a vampire yeah. to stop attacking us. Yeah, you, I, you I calmed, thought that was fantastic. You calmed emotions, and I did. I let up a little bit. Doru's we, experience as a, as a vampire was literally coming home and having his dad lock him in the basement with no feeding for a year. So he didn't know what he could do. Mm -hmm. uh, so you were basically like dealing with a newborn who hadn't fed. So, uh, but a full-fledged vampire could have turned to mist and out of that bind yeah. pretty easily. Like it's not gonna work ever again. No, so enjoy our <laughs> enjoy the one time pseudo victory, especially during during the thing. <laughs> David's <know>. like, man, because. <laughs> Because at that point we had calmed and we started doing a conversation like how we were how we were going to deal with them like were we going to leave them just tied up down there? Uh, Bertrand at one point offered of like giving me giving my flask to him so he could give blood, which I don't know if I ever would have done because I don't think we've actually again when it comes to like communication, I poured my honey whiskey into my flask. I don't know if there's any left in the jar. I assume there might be or in the bottle at this point because I don't know how much I poured in there because I didn't want to lose my honey whiskey. So that would have been something I would have asked if we made that point, but that was a, that ended up being a, a moot point in the end. Uh, I do have a question for DM though. Would there have been mm -hmm. any way other than this le leaving him tied up down there to escape that encounter without it going the way it did? Maybe if the father had been awake and down there, they could have he could have uh, done something. Um, I'm surprised nobody tried to like magically remove his madness either. The, uh, for the father. Oh, the father. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. the priest. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Don't, I don't have that. So, anymore. like, basically, my touch or whatnot. If you lesser restoration, I think you can remove an effect yeah. like that. Maybe not permanently, but at least enough to get head. some coherence out okay. of her. Okay. Huh. But. I'm I'm learning. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, we all are. Hey, that's... hey, based on hey. my next move. <laughs> so we have this guy on the ground. He's pinned down. We're going in circles, kind of about what we want to do with him, how we want to deal with it. Uh, if we leave him locked down there, uh, how would we seal him back in? All this kind of stuff. And then DM comes in and says, "Hey, his wounds are healing. You see that he is he's his wounds are closing up and he's healing himself." And that's when I say, I stab him. And David says, you stab him? And I say, yes. I think he got a gif of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Up, to, up to that point, you can also, there's, a, there's and again, I don't think I made it very clear during the moment, but there's also times where I, I said, if we don't hurry up, I'm going to, like, I think I said it tw at least twice before, if we don't hurry up, I'm going to slit his throat. Because in Torbjorn's, like, Torbjorn character's perspective was, he's on top of this guy. He doesn't know how strong he is. He doesn't know what he's dealing with. And if this guy overpowers somebody, it's got to be him first. And clearly he's going to go after him because he's the one holding him down right now. So well, that, was, a, that was my thought there. 
And part of that's a little bit of player versus character, too, because the fact that he was bound, yeah, he can break out of that, but he was calm emotion because of yeah of of the the nat 20 that tim had rolled like that's that was like he would not attack at all that's just a part of that persuasion i guess like he believed us yeah he did believe you until he got stabbed yeah, <laughs> yeah. Until, until <laughs> now I, I pulled out my sword i would say when we talk about rp moments uh that for me felt like a genuine rp moment for for that character for torgarn Oh, yeah. you know, as as disappointed as my character was that I had just said, we won't hurt you. And then he hurts them. Um, that to me was like the the RP moments that you want, Gigan, like that to me was it because it was in the story. It was driving it forward. And I think it does create a little in game. I think we'll probably end up exploring this at some point, uh, a little in game contention, too, that we as a party have to work through. Um, yeah. because it was not how everybody would have handled it. I think uh, Cody was pretty, she was pretty clear that she thought it was unholy. She didn't understand why we were trying to talk to it either. No, so she wanted, to um, yeah. Um, so I thought it created a really cool moment of Torbjorn was trying to do what he thought was right in that moment and kill this beast before it killed anybody else um, because he didn't see any other way. And and that made so much sense to me as as a person and a player and a character, but at the same time, it's not what my character wanted to accomplish. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, so now he has to deal with that and and uh, you know deal with you as a character. So I I thought that was one of the better RP moments from a player. Like mm-hmm. that fit for me. Like that made sense when you stabbed him in my head. I was like, of course you did. You know. <laughs> My my, yeah. I was as soon as I said it though, and I heard everybody's reaction. Keegan, the player, goes, "What the fuck did I just do?" <laughs> well, yeah. But I think I, I think as a group, we were trying to lead it towards a conversation mm-hmm. as to how to deal with it, and and you know, Torbjorn never got on the boat with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and so uh, again, maybe if we were clearer in our intention there for for you as the player, maybe you pl- role play that differently. But I don't think you role played that poorly at all. I think you role played that on point, uh, and it worked out. It, yeah, we ended up killing him, but I think it did create real character development for mm-hmm. everybody um, that we can build on later. So I, I thought it was good. Yeah. Maybe else have anything from that because that, in my opinion, that was probably the, I would say the highlight of the 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 session. But it definitely was the probably most memorable mo- moment of the session. And- I did let Keegan know that doing that to a non uh, undead <laughs> character would lead to an alignment shift. Yes. So, just good to know. That was that was good to know because again, lack of knowledge. <laughs> so. Because uh, yeah, you, you tend to not go by the good when you start killing your prisoners after yeah. promising you won't. So. Yeah. <laughs> But I, like Tim said, I'm excited to kind of see how how Torbjorn and everybody else kind of deals with it because I know Keegan, the player, felt like he's like, oh shit. But Torbjorn, the character, like at the end when we were done, uh, Kaim came up, like when I, when we we ended up killing him in the end. We we rolled combat and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> um, you just literally yeah. just stood there and stabbed yeah. him while he just. Yep. Yep. stayed there bound and screamed. Yep. It was I actually felt like torture. Horrific. Yeah. It was. 
<laughs> it was so bad. Was cage and eight millimeter would be proud. Yeah, <laughs> but but I won't forget at the end where Kaim came up and like came up to the body or the body afterwards, and I just looked up at him afterwards and like I didn't I didn't say anything, but I had the 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 puppy dog eyes. Like I'm I didn't mean like this is not was not my intention to get to this point, and that's kind of that was what I was trying to convey in that moment right there of like hey, this happened, but it was I did. I didn't mean for it to end this way, but this is what it is. And I knew how it affected Kaim in that moment. Because you had stated that you wanted to keep him alive. So. Yeah, Kaim, Kaim has gone through a bit of a tough time and believes in redemption. Yeah. And even hoped for redemption in the, in the lost and the seemingly soulless so, but yeah, that was, yeah. that, that, that moment there was probably the, the, as, as Keegan, the player was terrifying, but it, like Tim said, as Torbjorn, I think it makes perfect sense, especially as once some more stuff starts coming back out in backstory and all that kind of stuff, um, of why, what my motivation was in that instance. And I was scared you guys were all going to be mad at me for doing it. And I, you have to remember, or I have to remember that's a game that like, at the end of the day, that's what it is. And right, yeah. Make, if I make well, a decision, so in game, them being mad at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in game. But I was concerned about a game of like I just fucked up whatever because I knew everybody else wanted to talk to him. Like I knew that, but Torbjorn yeah. did not want to talk. And there, and there was something to learn too in those mm-hmm. moments that that you did lose because yeah. of that. So, yep. so uh, I do have a question though. If we had so, say we did not relieve the priest of his madness because we didn't we didn't think about that we thought we potentially could have brought the priest downstairs or brought the if the if the guy had Mm -hmm. run up past us upstairs and seen dad if 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 his father was uh, awake and conscious uh what would have happened in that instance would it would it have just created all hell or would he that's one of those things where like it's not like Mm pre-written that if a and b happen so it would have been just whatever I deemed in that moment Doru would have done. He may have tried to feed on him. He may have been shocked. Uh, seeing his father being crazy and knowing that he did that. But I don't think Doru at that point was rational either. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he calmed down when he, he thought maybe he was going to get fed or something. You know, when he was promised uh, the, you know, that he wasn't going to be harmed. He, mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe I, I, you know, someone will, will feed me or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, had he wildly just escaped, it would have been either a frenzy to whoever or, you know. Um, who knows? He may have not even known enough to, uh, you know, avoid something completely hazardous to him and been destroyed destroyed himself you know yeah because he he literally had no like the night he left he died and became a vampire so he came back and and had been like that ever since and he didn't it's not like he got to like figure it out or anything he was a baby He was a baby vampire um and after that, we uh, talked to Irina because 
we were told to take Irina to a safe place. And like we said earlier, either the Abbey of St. Markovia or the town of Vilaki? Vilaki? Vilaki. 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 See, I... My writing, mm-hmm. I do try to do it uh, phonetically. And it was funny because at first, I think we agreed to take her to the Abbey. And I can't remember who it was yeah. that said, hey, we should probably ask her if she knows anything about the areas that we're going to go. Because she theoretically knows these places if they're safe places for her. And she actually ended up saying that the Abbey, as far as she knows, has been kind of taken over. But the town may not have been reached yet. So... That's yeah. when we decided to head towards the town and move that way. But it w- it, w- it would have been interesting to see, again, how the story would have progressed differently. And I'm sure David can't tell us, but what would happen if we'd picked the Abbey versus the other one and what we'd have run into versus what we're going to run into this we, time? We, yeah, we may still need to go to the Abbey. Yeah, so. yeah that's what I'm saying. So it, it's curious to see what would happen like if we did it in reverse order, essentially. So when we decided to go to the town of Vilecki... Mm-hmm. We had some official confirmation that made us all very excited that the river is officially five to ten feet deep. Yes. No, I have river. I have on my notes River Illis, fifty feet wide, five to ten feet deep, leaving Barovia towards Sierra Falls. I wrote that in my notes. The river is five to ten feet deep. So we now know that is yeah. that is that it's is canon. Amazing. Yes, Brand. it is canon. canon. So for the, the ones that, that don't know, I once put a map up that had a river on it. And I had said nothing about this river and said description. However, the questions never stopped about the river to the point where I had to tell them. The river's just there because the map looks pretty, guys. No river. <laughs> so now every time we come across the river... By the way, uh, backtracking a little bit, uh, at the beginning, at the very beginning of the, the session, I actually asked where the nearest river was, and my thought was not to ask like how deep it is, but Torbjorn was going to go take a bath, but it was a little too far away, and I was like, eh. And then uh, Welly reminded you that you'd have to take off your armor, and you decided against it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he was he, learning from the first time, where he's like, mm. I'm in a sketchy place. I know what happened the first time I did this. Probably might not want to do that again. Um, you're current. So. current. The current camp you're in right now is actually right on a pool, so you'll Ooh. be able to do that. I go skinny dipping? At the Vistani <laughs> camp? <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> Segway. Yeah. We made it to the Vistani camp. Yes. Yeah. It was really guys more Vistani. Yeah, what do you guys think of that camp? Because I know when I came across it, it kind of made me uneasy in a weird way. From the sense of everything is so dark and dreary and these guys are so happy. Like, why are these guys so happy? And, I mean, Torbjorn didn't care. Torbjorn, anytime you have alcohol available, he's just going to go running in towards it. But Keegan, the player, was like, who are these people and why are they so happy in such a dreary and dark place? And, like, what do they, what do they have that other people in this world don't and like who I'd love to get to know these people a little bit more and kind of maybe understand who they are because clearly they I've we met them first in the tavern and they seem to be normal and then we met them here and they seem to be normal so what was your guys yeah, they impression don't, they don't seem to have a care about yeah the situations of Barovia yeah DMU mentioned they're they're kind of gypsy like right very much so 
Okay. Very much so. They're as much gypsy as, without calling them gypsy, as you can get. Gotcha. Uh, Vistani is is really just like the Barovian term for it, for gypsy. Which is why my character immediately, it was just like, oh god, breath of fresh air. And hopefully in the next episode, you guys will learn what they're all about. Because you guys are still there, yeah. so yeah. you still um, have more more to learn, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I I hope I learn more, because as you were going through, like in the tent, which mm-hmm. we ended up getting to with, I forgot her name. But, uh, Madam, um, Ava. Madam Ava. And... I can like, read. You were just listing off all this stuff, and I'm like, I'm trying to follow, and and I missed my characters. If like, you want, name. I can I can reread it. He actually he actually shared it with us, yeah. but I'm gonna read real quick yeah, for those guess. of you who who yeah. missed it. I'm gonna just I'm not gonna reread the Illusionist and all that. I'm just gonna reread the first beginning of it. Uh, so many of the lost souls wander into my tent tonight. Kosif the Penitent, that's Tim, uh, who was known as another until ah. he found the Everlight. Torbjorn Vanderstoot, the lost little lamb. Perhaps I can help you find your way. Welly Jum Jumji, I think so, Cody. Jumji. Jimji, yeah. Jimji. Uh, mm-hmm. born the daughter of a baker and yet so much more. He will need your help before the end, but you will both find that unexpectedly helping him will also help you. Kaim Avanali. Is that how you say that? Avanile. Avanile. I don't know. Last names are hard. The marked one. <laughs> Do not despair, child. The Lord of Lies still knows not where you are. And then Vale, the monk with no memory. Behold, for the body remembers what the mind does not. And she reached level four inside of there. Uh, and then lastly, but definitely not least, Ara Latrine, the lone survivor. Welcome home, child. Strahd Treasures card reading. So, Nate, you're from Strahd. Yeah, that, and I didn't pick up on that right away, but yeah. something in my character doesn't quite trust. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just something that's unease, and that's the reason, like, whenever, um, uh, Tim, I forgot your uh, wife's character's name, but. Vale. And yeah. that's the reason why I was like, hey, there's something not quite right here. You know, be careful. She's. A little crazy or something, you know, like mm-hmm. something that's just puts me on ease. I guess at, at least about that interaction, like she knew too much. Yeah, this was right? this, too much about all of you. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say from a from a player perspective, this was probably my second favorite moment outside of stabbing uh, Doru. <laughs> <laughs> because this is the first moment I think we've seen a. a literal glimpse into a little bit of everybody's backstory um, yeah and it was kind of cool of like oh like when when obviously when he read mine i was like huh because the lost little lamb perhaps i can help you find your way okay and then you're in your head you're like what does that mean and that's partially why i missed some of the stuff as we went along because i was trying to figure out what it meant for me i think uh, each of us were doing that yeah too. yeah it's like uh, I knew exactly what mine meant, so I was good. <laughs> no, I was I was contemplating each of yours. Yeah, yeah. And, Trying to read it through. Yeah. So much information so fast that I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my yeah. gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it's really it was a really cool way to end it in the sense of like we now and it it, it I think think it for me as Torbjorn, they give it away too much. From the next session, but from Torbjorn, 
he also this also humanizes all the things he he with the people he's with because right now from <coughs> his perspective he doesn't necessarily trust you guys he's just going with you guys because it's in his best interest right now so there it, and the trust doesn't come from because he doesn't think you're worthy of it it comes from he just doesn't know you and once we get more and more into this backstory more and more of these kind of things like he'll find people and kind of latch on to people he thinks make sense to be friends with uh, from that point forward. And it, it'll be kind of cool to just see as things come out. And obviously as a player's perspective, I want to see what everybody wrote as their backstory and just kind of see what those hidden threads are that we don't know about and their secret motivations to do specific things. So I don't know. I'm that, that, like I said, probably my second favorite moment of the session. If I didn't stab what's his face, it would have been easily number one. <laughs> so I think it, Sorry, Nate. Uh, oh, I, I, think, I, I think it really, uh, for me, the moment showcased what a great job David's doing. Because mm-hmm. uh, our backstories aren't included in the module, right? Mm-hmm. These are things that we came up with. And uh, David's put a lot of effort into like giving us those opportunities to discover more about our characters, more about our friends' characters as we go forward. So. You know, I, I kind of went into this thinking, I don't think there's anything he can do with my back. Like, there's not really a, a way for this to come up. And and then when I heard what he said about my character, I thought, oh, damn, he did that really good. That was really cool. <laughs> and then, uh, and then like, with each of you, there was something that was like, okay, like, I'm trying to connect the dots. It, it got me really intrigued about what's going on with each of you. So mm-hmm. I have to really just tip the hat to, to David <laughs> yes. on that one. That was just a great DM moment. So thank right. you, sir. Yeah, especially to introduce homebrew into a very very structured campaign from what I'm gathering there's, there's not a, probably a lot of room but you're doing a great job thanks because I know my homeland is not in Strahd <laughs> so <laughs> that much yeah, I, that, I can that tell you that much I had during the game Yeah, and I didn't it, realize until later Yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's funny because like I mean, I, I went back and re- reread this once I saw it was shared with us, and it, it's really cool because, again, from a character's perspective, I mean, I don't think Torbjorn necessarily is the most inquisitive for some of them, but Torbjorn will also ask some questions of, like, instead of being, like, specific about what's going on, he'll ask questions about what the characters learned about themselves. And Nate has the one, as a player, has me probably the most intrigued. Like, being from Strahd, like, you're obviously the... Strahd is an odd place, and the fact that you're from here is is cool and terrifying because I feel like if I'm thinking as Keegan, the player, is, okay, he theoretically knows about the area. We can use this to our advantage, hopefully down the road. He has some sort of knowledge that the rest of us may not have, uh, but that's something Torbjorn would not think about because he's dumb and doesn't really retain information very well. So, Yeah, so just to clarify, you are DM. He is... Look, she is <laughs> from Barovia. If, if Madame Ava is to be believed, yes. and that's the thing is, is this correct? Right. Maybe he's playing well, two truths. Was she wrong about the things she told? Well, you? maybe you're playing two truths no. and a lie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's all cross-reference, guys. <laughs> yeah. So. How much are we willing to give up? <laughs> yeah. But uh, she was dead wrong. It was all wrong. Yeah, it's all. Wrong. <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm excited to have have conversations uh, in the next episode, and I feel like there's 
or well, not necessarily next session, but whenever they come up in conversation, come up like between the. I mean, me and Tim have talked privately. Like, I feel like Kosef, Kaim, and Torbjorn are probably gonna have a conversation of why did you do what you did. That's something that's probably gonna happen at some point. Um, and then obviously the information we've got from Madam Ava will theoretically, if it is true, and we again kind of like David said, we don't know if it's true or not. Um, but if it is true, like that's going to lead to more conversations down the road of trying to understand who we are as characters. And I, and it, it's weird cause I'm, I'm starting as again, the player starting to understand this path of learning that the game is the story and the game is the characters and they theoretically go hand in hand as you go along that, that path together. And like I said, David, me and David went back and forth, I think it was Saturday night or whatever it was, and he was just kind of like, hey, you've got to trust me. And I was like, yeah, but I have this idea. you got to trust me. Okay. And I think by the end of it, I was like, you know what? You're in charge. You're, you're, the, you're the dungeon master. You have this world created. I need, to, I need to go with it and not try and do my own thing to please my own desires at the time. Because there's something cool, cool. There's plenty something cooler at the end of the tunnel than what I have in my head. So, but... I don't know. I'm I'm excited for next session, which I think is the good sign. I think we all are always say we're excited for next session um, when we finish one because, especially after so, this one, because I feel like we're further into Strahd and Barovia when it comes to n- not knowing what it is, but understanding where we are. So I have uh, two, or yeah, I want two questions for you guys. Um, so you, Madam Ava also gave you guys some information about how to defeat Strahd. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then, five. Was it five things? Yeah, you yes. got five cards, five readings. And then you also learned about uh, an uprisal uh, from a wizard uh, before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, just curious what, what the thoughts were on that when you guys got that information. And... When my immediate thought again as player not necessarily as Torbjorn was that uh, <laughs> Tim and Nate are going to be super important later on down the road because <laughs> the first one is the holy symbol of Ravenkind so like well the, the first one should be t- th- I believe it's t- the tome the... yes sorry the tome second, tome, one. second the, one yeah second one second one yeah second one too much tome I was reading it wrong because I saw I'd say lose just one but yeah the tome is first it's, the a, symbol it's a book yes so, the book, you... it's actually Straw's actual journal. Okay. So it sounds like we got to steal his journal. We got to steal his diary, guys. We don't have to what? steal it. You know where it is. You just have to find it. Yeah. Based on I, I the information. I got a little excited about the Sun Sword conversation. Based on some <laughs> things that David and I had talked about previously. But it also plays into what we learned fighting the vampire uh, was that radiant damage and sunlight is uh, destructive. So this clearly sounds like a weapon that uh, someone will have to wield uh, against Strahd. So that, that got me kind of excited. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. sun is life. Life is the sun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sun is life. <laughs> My big question was, like, are these in order for us? chronologically or are we going to be all over the place deciding what to go after first and if we do will that be a mistake that's what I'm concerned about as a player you know 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of these, well, you won't know where you are until you get there, you know what I mean? And you see it and you go, oh, that's the thing that, you know, <laughs> I, I was thing. described in my in my reading that, you know, this this is, must be the place, so keep your eye out, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Because I mean, it's not like you drew a map and was like, it's in this town. It, right. <laughs> but we do have the location <laughs> of Strahd. Give you, you know, what you saw when you are there. Well, you, you have the location in a secret, of, is in a secret the, place. <laughs> the final, conf, the supposed your final confrontation. Yeah. So, I'm I'm real curious to kind of see how this all ties together. Like, like we keep saying it, it. I feel like we're finally into the campaign at this point. I feel like Wolves was good because it was a, it was a one shot. It kind of tied up nice and neatly at the beginning, and then I think. <laughs> This might make people mad when I say this, but I feel like we're on the uh, Empire Strikes Back with the second session, and now Return of the Jedi in the third session, where Empire Strikes Back had some cool moments, but Return of the Jedi has got you hooked, hooked in, ready to go to understand the story. So yeah, you're totally um, wrong. But... <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense at all. Let's talk about Force. M- M- let's talk about Empire's... Force Awakens. Well, we haven't. I was gonna. I was gonna say the the last Jedi, but I don't know what Episode Nine is, so I can't really couldn't make the comparison yet. Hopefully, it's better than Last Jedi. Well, it's it's Rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah. They also released. They also released Lego <laughs> Skywalker. All of them. This Skywalker Saga. You got all nine games. Awesome. So, but no, I'm I'm excited to like. Tim said whether these are in order, and I have a feeling they're probably not, um, and kind of. If we catch catch on it and pick it up as things are going along, of like if because if we miss something, it's gonna suck essentially. Because then either we're gonna have to backtrack or figure out what we have to do in place of it. So there's six of us. If we miss one of these, <laughs> yeah, that's just it's well earned and well deserved that we backtrack. <laughs> yeah. So, but. I'm excited. Does anybody have any any final things they would like to like to share uh, from the last session? Anything you're looking forward to the next session? Um, yeah, I'm honestly, I'm um, I'm still a week out from from our session, still kind of mm-hmm. processing all that information, and I've read through that handout from Madam Ava mm-hmm. a few times. I love how anytime I say a name. I have to put a question mark at the end of it, yeah. even though I put up my notes. I'm like, sure. Well, you kept oh, thinking fuck, Colian was alive. I was like, Bertrand, he's dead. Oh, yeah. I, had... <laughs> I was like, Bertrand, he's dead. My yeah. Is, yeah. So, the, yeah, that's one thing, Vorovian. Uh, so, it's Kolyan and Derevich, right? But his his son is Ismar. Uh, uh, what, what was it? Uh, Kol, Kolyanovic. Kolyanovic, yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, it takes the first name and puts it in the last, and and you just get like a new first name. So it's it's a it's not like what you're used to. So it's a little confusing that way yeah. too. Surname, but, like even Irina, Irina Kolyanovic is also because Kolyan was her father. We, we, so as I say, you know, we also the, found out the last that she name was adopted. The first name of the. Father. We did not bring that up. But, yeah, but yeah, Irina's adopted, and we never, we never, we haven't. I don't think we've asked her about it yet. We just found that out near the end. Um, well, she didn't. No. Yeah. So she was surprised too. Yeah. But yeah. So. Awesome. Uh, 
some, something I'm, I'm not necessarily excited about for the game. I, I am excited for the game, uh, but something that uh, Bertrand sent us this weekend I thought was awesome was finish the artwork. For yes. Uh, which I think is my favorite uh, that you did, but all that artwork is so fantastic. So I'm looking forward to seeing that become a group photo. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was. And we should. I should do that. We should make a make a. Uh arrangement with you guys all with the vinyl art and yeah. make it we'll take a little snapshot and all the art like i said it's come back from indie popcon literally this morning all that art if you want to check it out go to savebytheroll.com it'll be up there with all the character bios uh hopefully before you before this goes out so it should be up there before you guys see this if i <laughs> do my job right um because i got that art when i was at indie popcon so i've got that ready to go um but yeah it it looks awesome i it's funny because i was showing people at the convention the artwork uh, when I was, like, I was telling you guys before, there's a uh, tabletop game that I was playing while there, and I showed him the artwork of that you were doing, and I was like, literally, as I was standing there, when it came in, he's like, ooh, what's that? And I was like, oh, it's my D&D artwork that my that one of my friends made for our campaign. He's like, oh, that's so cool looking. And it it, it really, it gives you, it gives, yeah, us, it it gives us an identity. It is cool looking. I mean, it's literally the background. Oh, I can't show because I've got text and all that, but it's literally the background on my phone. Like my I was telling Bertrand too that uh, I love how colorful and like contrast it, it it shows like when you when you guys are in Barovia and I see your your tokens I can totally tell you guys don't belong from that world you know that you're from another <laughs> realm yeah. kind of that's more colorful and and because because of the contrast it's really nice and I think it'd be cool at some point to like put our characters and the way I do the thumbnails is I as I for the actual campaign, I just do like mist over top of cool looking thumbnails of straw, different things I can find that makes sense to the campaign. But I would love at some point, maybe at the very final thumbnail, if we knock on wood, I'm gonna jinx it here. But if we do beat Strahd of showing that contrast of what happens because we are vibrant in a dark world. So, awesome. cool. Very anybody, true. Anybody else Good. got anything? This has been Saved by the Roll, <laughs> Episode 3. My name's Keegan. These are my lovely compadres and adventurers. Lovely, again. Lovely. <laughs> I cannot say... <laughs> what word do you like me to use going forward? Give me adjectives. Go. Friends. These, are, these are my lovely friends. No, just, just <laughs> friends is not an adjective. How deep is the river, Keegan? How deep is the river? It was five to ten feet. It's enough to drown me, apparently. (laughs) These are my friends, my compadres, my companions, my all other synonyms for the word friends that I can think of. Uh, We will be doing uh, another adventure. Our next one is, let me pull up the date. I want to say it's June 17th. Uh, Yeah, because today's the 10th. So June 17th, uh, we will be going live uh, with Behind the Roll. Uh, at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Saved by the roll. This week. is behind the roll. Yeah, saved by the roll. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. My brain is yeah. fried. Um, I had a lot of alcohol, too. I, I should have brought it with me, but I don't have it. But I have 64 ounces of beer I still need to drink, or 32 ounces I need to drink through. But, uh, but check it out on uh, next on Monday, the 17th. Uh, we will be going live. You can check that out on twitch.tv slash love2gamersstl. Again, go to savebytheroll.com for all the archives. You can also, I'm hoping soon to set up where you can watch live there. It's not been cooperating with me, so I've been trying to tweak some things, but eventually we'll be able to watch live on the website itself. But 
Uh, thank you guys for hanging out with me. Thank you guys so much for watching. And as always, welcome to the second level. Bye! Bye!